Blog Talk Radio. You are solely responsible for your interactions with other listeners of the Love Zone USA. You understand that the Love Zone USA does not in any way screen its listeners, nor does the Love Zone USA inquire into the backgrounds of its listeners or attempt to verify the statements of its listeners. The Love Zone USA makes no representations or warranties as to the conduct of its listeners or their compatibility with any current or future listeners. In no event shall the Love Zone USA or Blog Talk Radio be liable for any damages whatsoever, whether direct, indirect, general, special, compensatory, consequential, and or incidental, arising out of or relating to the conduct of you or anyone else in connection with the use of this service, including without limitation bodily injury, emotional distress, and or any other damages resulting from communications or meetings with other listeners of this service or persons you meet through this service. You agree to take reasonable precautions in all interactions with other listeners of the Love Zone USA, particularly if you decide to meet in person. In addition, you understand that the Love Zone USA makes no guarantees, either expressed or implied, regarding your ultimate compatibility with individuals you meet through listening Love Zone USA.
Welcome to the Love Zone USA on this Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to all the men and women out there who believe in love. Love makes the world go round. Yes, indeed it does. We're here to spread love all around the world, and we hope that you'll do that with us this evening. My name is Mike T. I'll be your host until 10 p.m. We've got a very special show for you this week, as we will all month long, celebrating black history. Yes, we are the show that you can get on Spotify. You can hear us on iHeartRadio. You can hear us on TuneIn, Stitcher, all over the platforms. Wherever you go, just take us with you. If you happen to have to leave the house for any reason, you can plug your car into your uh, phone into your car and your Bluetooth, and you can hear us inside the car wherever you go. We're not satellite. We're Internet. We're all around the world. And I'm your host this evening. I'll be here until 8.30, and at which time we'll bring our guest on tonight. I have our guest, Dr. Claude Anderson. I consider him the black president. Yes, that's right. I consider him my black president. He is the one who is, uh, has, for many years, tried to create awareness in our community about the importance of uh, the education that many of you didn't get in school. You'll get that tonight. I'm surrounding and wrapping this show around finance tonight because, as Gwen Guthrie said in a very uh, popular record, there's no romance without finance. We're going to show you ways that you need to think to start moving in that direction with this gentleman, Dr. Claude Anderson. We'll go into his resume a little later on when he, uh, right before he comes on the show. Uh, he is an astute uh, individual. And, you know, a lot of people have doctorates in front of their name. There's there's a few on this show that I consider highly respected, and that means a lot. Dr. Claude Anderson will be here, and he will be giving you uh, some insight from his book that we're going to feature this evening. It's uh, entitled, A Black History Reader, 101 Questions You Never Thought to Ask, Claude Anderson. We're going to get into that book a little later when he comes on aboard, but, you know, as I always say, we're here to educate, elevate, and hopefully during that time we entertain. We always uh, try to give you the best variety of music on the internet, and to kick that off, I'm going to kick it off with this gentleman right here, who was with us uh, a few weeks ago, and he appeared live. You can check out his show on the Love Zone USA um, blog talk radio, where we're uh, broadcasting from live right now. With no further ado, I'm going to kick it off with this one. It's entitled New York Minute by Bob Baldwin on the LoveZoneUSA.com.
Russell Tompkins of the New Stylistic. And when you've had a hard day's work and want to feel brand new, just listen to your heart, and it will lead you to where you're sure to hear our music, and you'll end up saying, you make me feel brand new, on the LoveZoneUSA.com.
People make the world go round with the stylistics, but tonight, love makes the world go round along with money. We're going to talk about that with our guests coming up in just a little while, right after this, here on the Love Zone USA. Want to generate more traffic and sales for your business starting now? Well, here's the marketing tool you've been looking for. What about advertising your business product or service to singles? Well, everybody knows singles have the most money to spend, and the LoveZoneUSA.com has accumulated the largest audience of singles on Internet radio. They've done this through a variety of shows discussing sex and controversial topics in the areas of relationships, dating, and marriage. They've also attracted celebrities to their show who are known by millions of listeners and fans, like The Temptations, divorce attorney Raul Felder, Gloria Allred, and Danny Glover. Your business will be exposed as a sponsor of a variety of shows with universal themes featuring love and music, celebrities, sex, and other controversial topics, offering your business maximum exposure to singles who have the most discretionary income to spend. So contact one of our business consultants today so they can show you how you can generate more traffic and sales to your website by becoming a sponsor of thelovezoneusa.com. And if you want to get your business or website exposed on our show where we have the largest Listening audience uh, regarding singles who have the most money to spend, be sure to send us an email at sales at thelovezoneusa.com. We're going to get into our host and uh, our guest, actually, in a little while. I've got more music for you. My name is Mike T. Don't forget to check out Plus Size Life. Yeah, that's where being plus is never negative with our hosts. Jackie and Zuhaila, every Tuesday at 8 p.m., be sure to check them out. We do everything plus size. Yeah, it's a little bit bigger around here because we're like Texas. Yeah, but plus size is never a negative. As we get into more music and uh, more about our topic tonight, which is about, as Gwen Guthrie said, no romance without finance. We're going to take you into the doctor himself, Dr. Claude Anderson, and uh, we're going to get into his uh, knowledge about what it takes for us to be a self-sufficient and self independent uh, people, African-Americans or black Americans, however you want to be termed. I understand the conservatives like uh, African-Americans and others like black Americans. We'll get into that as well. His book is entitled A Black History Reader, 101 Questions You Never Thought to Ask. And I have to admit, I read some of the book and um, I tell you, it's it's a great, great read and some of those questions we're going to ask tonight, you're going to get some answers. But before we do that, I'm going to take you into the best variety of music, as I always say, right here on the Love Zone USA. This is the kind of music you hear 4 p.m. until 5 every Sunday with our host, Tasha Little Queen. She gives you the gospel side of things with a hip-hop Christian connection. Here's the kind of music you'll hear over there with a young lady named Corinne Hawthorne. It's entitled, Won't He Do It? on the lovezoneusa.com Nobody stopping me They try to break me, try to pick me up But I got Jesus on my side So bad I thought of a night But ain't no one wrong And ain't no one who came and laid down his life Make it all right Won't he do 
plan for my downfall Turned out to be the greatest victory of my life When it comes at your best and hard There's only one that can come and make it right Love Zone USA. Back to back to back to back.
The Love Zone USA. The Love Zone USA. Where you're here. Zone USA. Where you can listen to your heart and we live and learn. And we throw a little love in there. Tonight it's about love and money. That's right. Like I said earlier, we've got our guest in the green room and we're going to be bringing him on in just a minute. You know, there's no f- romance without finance. So says Gwen Guthrie. And I'm featuring gentleman I've had on this show before, and I thought it'd be appropriate to bring him back during Black History Month because he's going to give you some history tonight from his brand new book, We the People, a Black History Reader, 101 Questions You Never Thought to Ask. It's a book you need. Matter of fact, my first question to him tonight will be something about this book that uh, I, uh, after reading it, I just feel that um, well, I'm going to ask him and let him comment. But ladies and gentlemen, as I get ready to bring on my guest tonight, let me tell you a little bit about him. This gentleman is an illustrious background. He was appointed by Florida Governor Ruben Askew as his advisor and coordinator of education for the state. He established the State Action Council, an organization of black activists and other leaders who formed a voting bloc that supported candidates who promised and delivered benefits to the black community. He's designed and constructed radio stations, agriculture, and other businesses. He was professorships at Wayne County Community College, Highland Park Community College, FAMU, and Bowie State University. He's held numerous championship titles in wrestling, judo, and karate, member of the Black Belt Federation during the 1950s through the 1960s. He's a certified pilot, and we'd like to thank him for his service in the United States Marine Corps Aviation Survival Flight Specialist. Ladies and gentlemen, when I say the name Dr. Claude Anderson, there's a lot more to tell you about him, but I don't say that loosely. Right now, I'd like to bring him on air, Dr. Claude Anderson, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Love Zone USA. Dr. Anderson, are you with me? Uh, Yes, I am, Mike T. I'm here. Oh, I'm glad to have you. It's a, it's my pleasure to have you, and I'm honored yeah, to have you. Know, what can I, you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. I can hear you fine. What I'd like okay. to do, doctor, like is, do, is ask you the first question. And this book that you wrote, that we're going to talk about this evening, are you looking for this to be part of black history as a curriculum in school? Because it needs to be. What do you think about that for this book? Has that been yes, a that's, what, that's what I ideally like to have done across this nation uh, for a very simple reason, is that from, from the founding of this country, Mike T., all the way up to about the late 1940s and 48 in that general time span, 
no white historians would ever write anything positive or even mention anything about black folk in the history of this nation. So anytime you talk, hear about a white historian talking, he's not talking about black folk. He's talking about the development of this nation over almost five centuries through the eyes of whites. That's why when I was over education for the state of Florida for eight years, and I went through all the history books, and I found out that black folk very rarely ever showed up. And a few times they did show up in any of the books in the entire state. And we had 67 counties with school systems there. And blacks, were show, if they showed up in a history book, they showed up typically in about a one or two line sentences talking either mentioned something about slavery or another one or two sentences talking about black folk marching in the civil rights demonstration. That was it. And I said, this is totally unreasonable. I said, that's why whites know absolutely nothing about the history of black folk in this nation, and 98% of the blacks don't know. And so what I did, I wrote, I said, I'm going to write about black folk in a very vertical order, with the first book being Black Labor, White Wealth, to do what black folk have never, never done in this country, is understand the nature of racism in America, and that it is vertically ordered. And in that, that book, Black Labor, White Wealth, shows you exactly what the major problem in America is and has never remained unchanged, Black Labor, White Wealth. And it shows how whites have systematically maldistributed <clears throat> almost 100% of all this nation's land, resources, businesses, uh, income, privileges, resources, rights and privileges, and controls of all levels of government to the hands of the dominant white society. That's the nature of the problem. After I wrote that book, I said, I must go up to the next step to show blacks. That's called Powernomics, right up over that book. They show you that white, white racism is not perfect. It can be beaten if black folk learn how to play the game and play to win and stop playing to just to play and to be seen and to be accepted. Then after I wrote that one, I said, I must go move up to the next level and tell them why. I wrote Black Dirty Little Secrets 1 and Dirty Little Secrets 2 about, about black heroes and black, and black history. It show black folk that they are exceptional people that nobody on earth has been treated and maltreated like them. Nobody any place on any other continent and any other nation has been treated the way black folk in America have been treated. And the last book that you just asked about is called The Black History Reader. I wrote that to be the capstone and say, now this book tells you everything you need to know that sits on top of all those other books, and it should be in every school system in America. But but it can't get them into any of the schools, private, public, or charter schools in the country. I found that when I was over education with the state of Florida. You can't get in there because whites sit on the on the reviewing board, and the, and the and the licensing boards for boards for all books that go into schools in every state. You can't even get books into the black college campuses because again, whites are sitting on the board reviewing the books. And, you, and when you go to a historical black college, all, the, all the, the bookstores are controlled by whites and owned by whites, and, and blacks are almost inhibited or forbidden even teach black history. So you can't get the books into public schools. You can't get them into the white schools. You can't get them into the black historical college. Yes, I want a movement in this country for black folks to read that book, the last one. It'll tell them everything they need to know, Mike T., about the nature of our problem. Well, Dr. Anderson, you, you bring up some very, very point, poignant points, and one of them I want to go to. You talk about not getting able to get the book in there. What I, what I am so proud tonight to be able to feature some of the things that we're going to talk about in this book. But first, let me, before I get into that, and, I, and there are several sections of this book I want to get to, your knowledge of, of how did you come about this knowledge? Because I have to, I have to be honest with you, it wasn't until I – 
discovered you about four or five years ago, a lot of the things that you talked about on YouTube video, I had never known, never heard of in school. So take us back to your very beginning of when the light either came on for you or your parents made you aware of this blackness and what was lacking in our community to give you such a strong foundation of blackness, which I think is definitely lacking today. So could you tell us a little bit about how you grew up and at what point in your life did you come to this enlightenment and, and, and started seeing that this is what you needed to do? Well, uh, Mike, I came about it very early in life. Growing up, being born in, in South Carolina and raised and to introduced into the school system early in North Carolina, and I got a, a, a concrete understanding of what our dilemma was. My family used to be, used to be a major owner of land in South Carolina, as an example. We had over 1,500 acres of land in McCormick, South Carolina, in what they call uh, Three Rivers area. And uh, and when 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 my grandmother died, and uh, and uh, and and she remarried again and married another man named Anderson, and uh, and they and whites wanted to wanted the land. She would not sell it to them. So what they did, they dammed up the river, and flooded our oh. land. And that's oh how now God. they got, oh got a, They built a bridge there called the Strong Thurman Dam, and so they took the, took our land away. We had to then move up to North Carolina. We got to North Carolina, and I found out then that whites did not want you to own any land. We got to North Carolina. My family, one of the only families of a four families ever owned a major bus company in the entire United States. That was a safe bus company in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And the other blacks had gotten together, and we owned our own cab companies. We had our bus companies. We had our own theaters and everything. But then what happened again was that, again, when integration came, integration wiped it out and closed down. We lost all of our businesses because the integration process destroyed it. I learned something then about the importance of having businesses. And then at that same time, I found out then that during the war, that here we are, I would walk past uh, 9th Street and, and Liberty Avenue. They had, they had, we had POW camps there where they stored German prisoners. And then when I walked by there as a small child, the, uh, the German prisoners there with, with the United States had captured 273 Nazi prisoners off a submarine off the coast of North Carolina. And they stationed those prisoners in, 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 a, in, a, in a POW camp right there in Western Salem, North Carolina. We would go by there. Those prisoners behind the fence, they would see us coming. They would drop their pants and pat their rear ends, their butts at us, give us a finger and try to spit on us and, it, and, and show the disrespect for us. And they were prisoners of war in America. At the same time, our soldiers are over fighting in Germany. And so and then I go down, we go downtown, and guess what? There the German prisoners are set up in the best restaurants. In, in, the, in, in the white restaurants. We go to the movie theaters, the POWs, the pr German prisoners, were sitting in the movie theaters with them. And when the war ended, those German prisoners were released and became first-class citizens in the United States. So I learned about the importance of the negatives of, of relationships that this country had with blacks versus immigrants coming into the country. Then lastly, when I got to the school system, school system, every, that's what the lawsuit was filed for in 1948. It wasn't filed for social integration in, in Clinton, South Carolina. We didn't file it to, for social integration. We didn't file it to be accepted into the white schools. We filed it for, a very, for some very simple reasons. First of all, because when we, we had to walk to school in mud and snow and rain, 
sometimes sometimes six and seven, eight miles of school. White kids rode to school on buses. Whether rain, sleet, or snow, or sunshine, they rode to school. And again, we try to throw trash and look at and make faces uh, at us out of the windows. Those white kids went to schools, went to schools, and uh, every year and got clean books and new materials and new equipment. The first year, first week of school for us in the black schools was to spend the first week of school, Mike T, cleaning up the old books that were being sent over from the white schools. They sent us their old materials and their old books. We had to take erasers and tape and glue and put the, and put the pages together. The uh, white schools all had swimming pools. We walked past their swimming pools. They would be swimming. We had to go down and dam up the creeks and swim. We learned about the school's discrepancies. And lastly, that the whites were paying in this country. They were paying something like $12 for every white kid going to school in South Carolina and North Carolina and only giving a dollar and a half, a dollar and 50 cents for a black child. I learned about all these different things. I said, when I get up and get grown, I'm going to be a forensic historian to be able to, to memorize and know everything forensically like a, a, a medical person in a morgue, a mortuary, when something dies and is dead, how you go back and look at it and examine the body. I examine everything dealing with race in America. I'm the only black forensic historian in the United States now and has ever been. That's how I got my information. That's how I got my experiences. And I've had a deep, unabiding love for black folk. I wrote all five of my books for black folk. I did not write them for anybody else but black folk. All right. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get into books in the school when we come back. Dr. Anderson, just hang in there with me because my next question, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, he has one of the 101 questions that we're going to work to get answered. Where are our black leaders? Where are our black leaders? We're going to talk about that when we return with my guest, Dr. Claude Anderson, and we're going to get in some music, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to get answers to that and a whole lot more. There's so much more in this book that we're going to cover in this next hour. But right now, I'm going to take you to the Godfather of Soul. Here he is. We featured him last week, and we're going to play him again right now because this is Black History Month, and this man is black history. It's James Brown. Say it loud. I'm black. Ah! I'm black.
when I need a lethal weapon against the challenges of love, I'll call on the Love Zone USA. This is Danny Glover. What's going on, everybody? This is George Sandy Jr., and I'm looking for a few people to march with me. Will you join me in the march? If so, I want to take a few people with me. 
So be sure to join me as we march to greatness on the LoveZoneUSA.com. And you can march with us tonight with our guest, Dr. Claude Anderson, who I'm going to bring back on as we left off. I want to remind you before we get back into our discussion, uh, we're going to open up the phone lines a little later on. We're going to talk about economics tonight. We're going to talk about some organization and group uh, economics. But right now, I want to remind you that every Monday night, you can check out the Girlfriend Network right here. It's where women stay connected with our host, Karishma and Nacon. That's every Monday at 930 as I bring on my guest. My question to him is where we left off is, Dr. Anderson, where Dr. are Anderson, where are our black leaders today? <laughs> Mike T, Mike T, you have no black leaders. <laughs> that that is that is an empty question. You have no black leaders. A leader is an individual who has done a concrete critical analysis of a given group's condition, social economic condition, and then crafted how to strategies and solutions to take them from where they are to a better place. You do not have any visible blacks in America doing that or have done that. You have no black leadership. Most of the blacks that, that were very visible during the black civil rights movement they abandoned black folks and let, allowed them to become a permanent underclass in America. They sought to be accepted to what they call meritorious manumission. Meritorious manumission is a policy that was set up in 1705, which says that any black person can be acceptable to whites and being released from slavery or accepted as a good black, a decent black, if he can do one or two things. One, if he can save a white person's life or members of a white person's family. Two, if he can create something or develop something to help white folk become, make money and wealth. Or three, if he would squeal on and tell on any black person who was revolting or escaping from slavery and running across the river. That's called meritorious manumission that started in the 1737, starting with South Carolina and spread up all the way up the East Coast through all the colonies. You have no blacks, any black right now. They, they've gotten their meritorious manumission. They're now, but you can find them anytime you want them. Either on the, in, in, on the, either on the newspaper, uh, rec, um, sports section, or entertainment section, or on TV, same thing, the sports or entertainment section. You have no black leadership. You do not have any blacks in America who are speaking strictly and solely for the benefit and betterment of black folk in America they are, and not seeking to be a betrayer and, and abandon their own people. You don't have it in America. What do you think about, and I'm going to get into a lot of your book, uh, but what do you think about the uh, two individuals that have nominated themselves as a candidate running for president, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker? How do you how do you perceive them as black leaders who who want to aspire to be president? Yeah, I, the only way you can see them is the way the best way is to find out what what are their game plans for black folk. You, as, as what do they propose for black folk? Black folk are a permanent underclass in our society. They have, they're still suffering. They're, they're suffering massive unemployment conditions. Uh, no businesses. 38% of, in the poverty roll. 34% of the black kids in, in poverty. Uh, 51% of all the blacks in prisons. Uh, prisons in America. 51% of all the prisons in America are blacks. In cities like, like uh, Detroit where well, you got a 48% black unemployment rate, 48% in Baltimore, 49% uh, in Pittsburgh, 52% for blacks, adults in, in, in New York, and 87% for black youth. 
I can go on and on. If they don't have a plan specifically for blacks, then I wouldn't give them the time of day, not even showing which way to go to the bathroom. If they don't understand the nature of black folks' problem and make a commitment to black folk, I wouldn't vote for them. Here's the why. Politics is a very simple premise, uh, Michael T., that was set up in the 15th century. It says politics is, a, is based on a very simple premise of something for something. One hand washes the other. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I elect you to office you owe me. We live in a nation of representative government. When you get elected to politics, you're supposed to represent those people who put you in the office. You stand up before the public. You put your hand on the Bible. You swear an oath to protect and serve those who put you in public office. I have never yet seen one black person go to office yet and, and say, well, I can't say that. I know two or three that did do that. So I take that back. To say I am my, I, black folk put me in my office, my first responsibility is to take care of them and redistribute resources to solve their social economic problems. If a person can't do that and they don't have an agenda for black folk, then you're in trouble. If you demand nothing and you don't make them promise to deliver a contract to deliver things to black folk, then you're going to get run into a railroad line again that leads to nothing. Well, you, well, you in your book, you, you bring up, you, uh, bring up uh, black people actually voting as a block, voting as a block. I want to discuss that with you because as you, you alluded, you stated, and, and we know there are 40 million blacks in this country. That's a lot of people to move the needle if everyone votes the same way or, as you stated in your book, create their own party. Now, before I give you the question, listen to this. I think there were 62 million people voted for Trump and put him in office. We have 40 million blacks. That's power. That is real block, as you say, power. How do how would you propose getting these people organized to vote as a block or set up their own party? What would be the answer to that, Dr. Anderson? If they were, if they were to read my books, they'll understand that never, never in the history of this nation has any, has any political politician or candidate for office ever done anything except two or three I know of specifically and solely to benefit black folk. That was people like uh, Maynard Jackson in Atlanta and, uh, and um, uh, uh, Colin Powell, not Colin Powell, but the uh, power that was in, uh, in New York, Congressman uh, Adam Clayton Powell and, and uh, Harold Washington in Chicago that says, I'm running as a black person, I'm going to take care of black folk. Never has a Democratic Party ever done anything specifically black folk. The Democratic Party was a party that originally enslaved black folk. The Democrats have been against black folk for 460 years. They just switched parties in the 1950s where the old red and the conservatives left the Democrats and became Republicans. The Republican Party has never done anything for black folk. They tried for 10 years between 1866 and 1876 to do something for black folk, and that was overruled. And they're corrupted and co-opted and given to everybody else. The Democrat, no party does anything for black folk. Nobody promises black folk anything. If you want to win, you just said it. You got you, and you, you hit the point almost on the head. We don't have 40 million blacks, and we have 46 million black folk in America. And those 46 million blacks would say, "Hey, since nobody has ever politically done a damn thing for us." And all we've been doing is we've been used and misused and abused for 460 years. You don't put anything, you don't do anything for us. They got a game. We'll pretend we'll help you black folk by using very broad, ambiguous terms. We'll pretend that we're going to give something to you by using broad terms like minorities, poor folk, people of color, multicultural, people of color. That's a game. That's why when I left the White House with President Carter, 
and halt, and as in '82 and '83, here comes uh, Ronald Reagan in. The first thing he did was call Haldeman into his office and say, "Look, in this, and now that you're in the presidency, let remember this: if you're going to talk about any issues dealing with various uh, specific population, never say anything negative about black folk. And you're going to talk about people in general. The way you you cover yourself is always use very broad, ambiguous terms like minorities and poor folk and um, and immigrants and people of color." He said that way the, the jigs, he didn't say nigs, he says jigs would never know they're not going to get a damn thing out of it. That goes all the way back to the United States Constitution. The first Constitution was an affirmative action plan strictly and solely for whites. And, it's, and it's, they figured out that the way they keep black folk enslaved was always used very broad, ambiguous terms, like, like those who are indebted, those in bondage, those who are three-fifths three fifths of a human being, those who are equal to a field animal, those who are specific property. They, never, they always use broad terms. And for white folk, they use broad terms that specifically whites like all people, um, American, middle class, uh, uh, all citizens. That's why on every TV show they use these broad words so black folks will never figure it out. So what all blacks got to do is say, hey, we got we have 46 million strong, start your own black party, and then and, mm. and, and pronounce that you will vote as a block for whoever promises the most and vote for black folks and demand what you want and then and, and say mm-hmm. we will deliver regardless of cover anything whoever promises most of black folks you get 40 posts 44 million black votes you'll be the most powerful people in the country because that's why right now you're about 30 something almost 30 percent of the of the democratic party all you got to do is take your 30 percent if you wanted to and go out and find all the rednecks in the country they're about 30 percent you get you two all get together you got six percent of the population you and the blacks and the rednecks to get together they can take the country over dr anderson we're going to come back and talk to you with the next question that i have from your book and we're going to spend this next half hour on talking about the money but the next question I have for Dr. Anderson, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sure all of you have pondered this, and I have myself. Why is there such a hatred for black people? We're going to have Dr. Anderson. That's in his book of, and it's entitled, A Black History Reader, 101 Questions You Never Thought to Ask. Well, we're going to ask that question when we come back after this musical interlude. Here on the Love Zone USA. The Love Zone USA. The Love Zone USA. Love Zone USA. Love Zone USA. Here. Shout out loud with the The Love Zone USA. Love Zone USA. Here. Love Zone Me and Mrs. Jones. We got a thing.
Wake up everybody, no more sleeping in bed No more back to thinking, time for thinking ahead The world has changed so very much from what it used to be There's so much hatred, war and poverty Wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way Maybe then they'll listen to what you have to say They're the ones who's coming up and the world is in their hands When you teach the children, teach them the very best you can But just let it be The world won't get no better We gotta change it Just you and me Wake up all the doctors Make the old people well They're the ones who suffer And who catch all the hell They don't have so very long It's time to build a new land I know we can do it If we all lend a hand The only thing we have to do Is put it in our minds Surely things will work out They do it every time The world won't get no better If we just let it be Gotta change it, just you and me.
Hey, this is Big Daddy Kane. And trust me, when it comes to love, there's no half-stepping on the love zone. USA.
Music Career here on the Love Zone USA. You can hear that type of music on Sundays, 4 to 5 p.m. with our host, Tasha Little Queen, where she gives you the hip-hop Christian connection. And like he says in the song, you have to pray. But beside pray, prayer, I always believe, like I've been taught in the church, you got to have faith, but you got to have action. We're going to talk about that action right now with our guest, Dr. Claude Anderson. And uh, the question that I left before we went into music is, Dr. Anderson, why do they hate blacks so much? Why is that? <clears throat> they, for, for a number of reasons. Uh, nowadays they hate you because, of, because the legacies of slavery are still upon you, with, and uh, where you're now impoverished, poor, and disorganized and uneducated in a non-competitive state. That's why that's how why they hate you now. But originally they hated you because uh, the code of that we lacked the code of conduct back when when slavery started in the 1500s, and they, and they set up a doctrine. Racism started in a, as a contest. Racism is a competitive relationship between groups of people who are competing for the ownership and control of wealth, resources, and power. And once they get it, they use it to supplant, to to Jim Crow segregate and enslave another group. That's what that's the concept of racism. As it started, racism never existed on the earth until the 1500s, when when whites decided to enslave blacks coming out of Europe. But the most important thing is that same time they they set up what's called a doctrine of unequal exchange, which says we go to go around the world and pick up these blacks and distribute them all over the world and use them to enrich ourselves at their expense and give them nothing, which means always impl- always put them into the equation but give them nothing. That's why right now, that's why our conditions have changed since the 1960s. We're still practicing a doctrine of unequal exchange. We create the music, they take it. <clears throat> we have a best basketball team, they'll take the players. We have a football, they'll take the best of everything. They'll take our communities, they'll take our churches, they'll take everything, they'll take our land. And so white folks don't respect you because they had a code of conduct in Europe which says any time you're offended and abused and misused, the code of conduct in you is that you stand up and fight back. In Europe, they call it sensing, which means if somebody offended you and your family, you slap their face and say, I'll meet you on the field of a dueling. They had a dueling code of conduct. They dueled to a fight to death. When it came to the United States, they had that same code of conduct for dueling with people in the old Western movies. When they went out in the streets, I'll meet you at the sunset, have your pistol, and I'll have mine. We'll have a shootout. They say we have no respect for black folk because black folk didn't respect themselves and allow like every group on earth to enslave them, Jim Crow segregate them, lynch them, cash them, and mistreat them for 500 years, and they do nothing. They said as far as we're concerned, they are weak, weak people, spineless people, and we, they, we, we would have had more respect for them if they had fought and died. They said that's why we have more respect for Indians than black folk because all black folk do is march, sing, and dance, and pray. They never push back. They never demand. They never stand up and say, no, I'm not going to take it. In their minds, whites say they basically that, they, that slavery would not have lasted three weeks if black folks said, no, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to do it like the Indians did. So they have no respect for you. But honestly, fortunately, all of the civil rights movement in the 1960s, they demonstrated another form of weakness by marching, singing, and praying, holding hands, saying we're non-passion, we'll turn the other cheek. We don't care if you hit us in the head with a brick or shoot us. We're non-violent, and uh, if any blood runs, let it be ours. Whites don't respect you because you don't stand up for yourself. You don't push back. 
even Asians have told me that one one guy who's a uh, writer for the San Francisco paper, he says an Asian, Chinese, he said he doesn't respect America. He said, why do you keep trying to get along with people that mistreat you and never push back and say, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to take it. He said, you all don't have a code of conduct. You're the only people on earth that lack a code of conduct. You're willing to bend over and do anything, and kiss and hug on people just to get along. No other group wants to get along with people who have mistreated them for 500 years. That's why they hate you, because they don't respect you. Dr. Anderson, and you also talked about a way that we could rise. And was, if I'm, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong, there were four building blocks, business, politics, education. Would you describe that plan for our audience as to those building blocks that we as a people need to talk about and concentrate on to move forward? Right. Well, that, that's called my polynomics. Claude answers polynomics concept of how you build wealth and power. It's a very simple premise that I found that I discovered years ago that by analyzing critical. First thing you should do is is is, is develop a sense of community, a sense of community made on your and your commonality, your common conditions between your people and your aspirations. Once you get a sense of community, and that's what you are, what you should be about, and how you're going to protect yourself. Then you got a basis to start building some wealth and power. Once you get that common sense of, of community, then you build a physical community. When you build a physical community, then, and that's that's extremely important. But see, social integration stripped us of all our communities. And right now, they, they're now coming back and redoing it again by gentrification and privatization through every major city in the United States. They're going to take away all the land from you, just like they took it after you came out of out of the uh, out of slavery. Took all the land from you. They wouldn't give you the land. Now they're going to come back and, and they're going to strip every major city in the United States, where immigrants and whites are going to come back in all these major cities, and again privatize them and gentrify them. So, but you got to get a, you got to get a, have a physical community. You cannot compete without a physical community. It is impossible, Mike T, in theory and practice, to be a competitive people to enrich yourself with wealth and power if you lack a sense of community or a physical community. And right now, we do not have not one single black community in the entire United States. All we got are neighborhoods, and black folks need to stop using the word communities. You don't have any communities. Everybody in the country have communities except black folk. What we have are neighborhoods. And most of those neighborhoods are so run down and abandoned <clears throat> that there are neighborhoods where you is communities where you store your wealth and power and your strength. A neighborhood is like a hotel. That's where you eat and sleep. We have no power because we always have a neighborhood. Uh, to have a community, you must be able to have a place where you can put, have your own businesses, have your own code of conduct, and have your own elected officials to represent you. And so when you, once you get those communities, then the first thing you do in that community is build businesses. You build businesses and start practicing group economics. Group economics means you to learn how to practice and interact with each other. Spend your money with your own people. Make your money bounce in your own people's hands eight to 12 times before it leaves. Hispanic money typically in this country bounced six or seven times in Hispanic hands in Mexican town, Little Hialeah, Little Havana, Little Mexico. Everybody's their money bounces six to seven times. White money bounces eight to 12 times. Arab and Asian money bounces 13 and 14 times. Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black money does not bounce once. So we do not have it. That's why we don't have any. We don't have any. We don't have the communities. We don't have an economy. But have we? If we had a business community and had an economy, then what you do? You make your money bounce circulate around eight to twelve times. Now, what does that mean? That means right now we have a, a, a disposable income of $1.2 trillion passing through black folk hands. If black folk were to revolve that money around, Mike T, 
a ten times. Yeah. They didn't have to do it twelve times. You, they would have over twelve trillion dollars instead of one point two trillion. They would have twelve trillion dollars in their own community, in their own hands. Then once you get that money, then you get into politics. Never go into politics until you have an economy and a community. Yeah. And once you get yeah. that money, I'm sorry. You, you want to cut me off? Then come on, I, I stop. No. No, no, no. I, I was just signing off on yes. You need that money before you get into politics. Absolutely. Right. Okay. See, see, the black folk want to do just that. They want to go get in politics and try to get money. You can't do it. You go to jail. I, I was, I was at presidents and governors. I was the first black assistant secretary in commerce. I was the chairman for economic development for governors. I head up trade missions in third world countries, Venezuela, Colombia, Africa, Germany. You can't do it. You must first get an economy before you get into politics. And once you get the once you get the money out of your communities, you then you get into politics. And you get into politics, don't worry about voting. Voting is totally, absolutely useless. That 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 is like cocaine, crack cocaine. It produces nothing unless you got the money to back it up. That's why in this country, that's why whites continue to dominate. They got all the money. They got they got ninety nine percent of the money in the country. That's why they got almost six hundred white multi billionaires. That's who controls the economy. The country, and when you get the money, then you 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 go to politics, and you and and don't worry about voting. Take your money and buy a buy every politician you can get. That's why organized crime and rich people don't worry about voting. They buy the politicians, and once you learn how to buy buy those politicians, that's on the second floor. Then you prepare to go to the third floor in powernomics. Then you take that money, go to the third floor, and use that, and make those politicians control the police departments, the court systems, and and the judges. Because otherwise, that's why the police keep shooting black folk. You don't control anything. The po- you should control those politicians. A politician could stop people from shooting black folk. Then once you control the police in the court system, then you go to the fourth floor, which, again, is media. You've got to have media in this country. If you don't have the media, you cannot organize, you cannot communicate, you cannot organize, you cannot mobilize. Now you've got 12,000 radio station licenses in the country. Black folk own, own about 60 and, and out of 12,000. You've got about 12,000 cable systems. You own zero. You've got about 5,000 newspapers, daily newspapers. Blacks don't own none. You've got 5,000 TV stations. You own about two. You own nothing because you don't have the money on the first floor. So on the fourth floor, you don't have a damn thing. Then the top floor, the fifth floor, is education. Education is, is useless. It's a tool if you don't have the wealth and power. <clears throat> Once you get the wealth and power, then you make the schools produce what you need. If you want to go to the moon, you then make the schools start teaching the science, biology, chemistry, physics, and, and everything, and astronautical engineering. But your schools will produce whatever you want to produce if you got the money. <clears throat> if you don't have the money, then those who got the money going to say, don't let those blacks learn a damn thing. That's why Detroit right now, the school system, which is a majority black city, that half of the kids in Detroit, Michigan, in the, can't even graduate from high school. And those who do graduate are reading at a fifth grade level because they have no wealth. Blacks are an underclass all over this country because social integration has failed, the school systems are failing, and blacks haven't got enough money to build it, rebuild their communities, build their own schools, and put charter schools and magnet schools in their own communities, and can create the best educational for their kids as possible by having wealth and power to back it up. Dr. Anderson, I want to, I want to get into one more piece of economics. As you probably are aware, a lot of these professional basketball players have deals or contracts with Nikes and these other shoemakers. I know for a fact that many of them are designing the shoe that is selling to our people, 
They are designing. They're giving the idea to Nike. Nike is producing the shoe and then selling it back to the community. They are very. Uh, they there are some that are very well off, as you well know, uh, Michael Jordan, et cetera, et cetera. But my question is, why don't the ball players who are designing the shoe go and manufacture it? They have the money to manufacture it. So, as you said in your book, find out what black people want and why, what they want to spend their money on. If you're designing the shoe, why wouldn't you design it, manufacture it, and sell it? To the to to the African American finance other businesses. Can you go into that a little bit, Doctor Anderson? Yeah, but see, those blacks, those blacks are the safe category. I told you they've already received meritorious manumission. They're in a safe category. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it for one reason, because of their own personal self selfishness, and they want self-aggrandizement for them only for themselves, and and most and they want to be accepted in a large mass by by the people on the other side of the road that are different colors. They want to be able to show that they are open-hearted and altruistic, and more important and most importantly, <clears throat> let me summarize this, and you remember this as long as you live. Now, in the Marine Corps, I was a safety and survival engineer for my squadron, and we during the Korean War. We had over 7,000 Americans who were captured by North Koreans or by Chinese and placed in POW camps in North Korea and China and being subjected to brainwashing. And they were in those camps for three years. And, and, uh, and, uh, but, and, and during that, by the time they came out, almost 3,000 of them died and, uh, and out, and out, of, the capti- out of those who had been captured. Only 4,000 survived. Now, the problem was that in Compton over there, the reason a lot of them got captured, because they lost they lost the importance of where they were at that time. They forgot that they were at war. And black folk, like black folk, don't know that slavery is as a declaration of war. We had soldiers now in Korea <clears throat> that every morning you come out at 7.30, 8 o'clock, the Chinese and Koreans would be coming over the hills, blowing horns and bugles and, and, and using megaphones, saying, when I get there, we're going to kill you. We're shooting rockets and bullets, we, you, you, but we belong to us when we catch you. And so, and so and you walk around. A lot of our soldiers, instead of being prepared to push back against the invading North Koreans and Chinese, <clears throat> you can find a lot of them hiding behind trees and then behind rocks and in ditches. And the ones in the ditch will be laying on their own guns. You could go over and say, hey, get why are you laying in the ditch? They're coming over the hills in, in a few minutes to kill you. Why don't you get up and, and, and shoot back? You know what they would say to them? Well, you know, Dr. Dan, we, we can't do that. If we were to get up and start shooting back at them, that would only make them mad. And you got same same kind of black attitudes in the country. They don't push back on anything. They want to be accepted by by doing anything they can to get along with people that's outside the country. That's why when I go to China, when I'm head of trade missions, I can find over 237 thousand Chinese who have become multimillionaires off of selling products and services and goods to Americans in the United States. But I couldn't find not one, not one black person in America who said I became a multimillionaire off of selling something to Asians and Chinese. It's never going to happen. It's in reverse. It's under what we call the doctrine of unequal exchange. That's what you're asking. Why is it that, that we're giving everything to other people, to other groups, and getting nothing in return for our own people? It's called the doctrine of unequal exchange, which went into effect in the 1500s, and you still see it. That's why whites took over, your, your, over all, all the music in this country since slavery was generated by black folk. That was whether it was hillbilly country and western folk music, blues, rhythm and blues, jazz. Everything was produced by black folk. But it's always been taken over by anybody, everybody in America and around the world. That's why they took away your civil rights movement. The civil rights movement was strictly and solely for blacks. Everybody took that from black folk. They use it now for civil rights for midgets, humpback, lesbians, uh, transsexual, anything. 
everything. Everything that black will ever have is taken away from us, and blacks get nothing in return. Every black who gets into an appointed position, whether he's appointed or gets elected, there's never a connection between him using that position and, or his position in government or in business to do something specifically and solely to help black folk. They get in there like, Billy, like a, a, a king, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the guitar player uh, down there. He was, he, he, he was blues. What he would do, he would teach whites how to play the guitar. And uh, 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 Tiger Woods, he would take he would teach white kids and teach them how to play golf. We always suffer under the doctrine of unequal exchange. Now it's over 500 years old. That answers your question. Dr. Anderson, what would you say to those? Uh, there's two questions left that I have to ask you. What would you say to the blacks who say, well, you know, they destroyed Tulsa. They had the um, people in Philadelphia that got bombed and tried to create their own community. Would, what would you say to them today if we organized and started setting up communities for those that fear that those same kind of bombings would take place? What would, what would you say, how could we prevent that, or would that not happen due to laws changing? Well, see, then you would say, come on, do it. Because that, you, you can't stop people from pushing back. If I were whites right now, and, I, and right now whites control and own 99% of everything important in the country, black folk only have one half of 1% of anything in value in the country. You, there's no way you can continue to survive off of one half of 1%. You can't even compete while whites have 99 to 99.5%. Then 87% of that is frozen inside the white society. And if black folk are that silly, and, and, and they have no black leadership. They sit there and let somebody say, well, uh, I'm not going to do something because if I push back, they might get mad when they come over. If I shoot back or push back, you tell them, fine, you still push back. And what you say is, I'm going to build my own community. I'm going to buy for my own people. And I heard blacks tell me that down at the University of Texas. I had, I had blacks with, with doctor's degrees sitting in front of me saying, Dr. Anderson, you're asking us to build our own community and buy for our own people. We can't do that. I said, why not? Is you know what, what what this community do to us if they found out we were going walking past white businesses and going into black businesses, uh, they, we'll lose our jobs. I said you all are silly. I said they, they, they Asians, Arabs, every group can come into America and build their own businesses, own communities. You, they, whites, blacks have been talking about. I'm, I'm gonna lay in the ditch on my gun. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push back against anything. They can do what they want to us because they they did it once. They can do it again. They can't do it again. You are 46 million strong. All you got to do is say, now, we know how to push back. We got the tools. We got the resources. We got the education. We can, we can create all kinds of ways to push back. We can learn how to take, stop you from you getting our money. The first thing we do is stop you from getting our money. Right now, whites are living off of two incomes. They're living off of 100% of your money and 98% of theirs. You're being stripped. You only live off of 2%, while whites got two incomes. They keep their money in their community and take 98% out of your community. Black folk cannot be that silly. They need some black new leadership. So what I'm saying to you, Mike T., is that we need a new kind of black leadership in this country. Young black folks that come up and say, I understand the conditions. I've read all of your books, the black labor, and right now all of my books, the library pack is available on powernomics.com. They can get all five of those books for $99 plus a CD for $99 by going to powernumbers.com and getting these books to read them in their home. If they don't have those five books in their home, in their school, in their library, then they don't have a school or a library. And right now we're trying, in 2019, we're trying to start an Us Too movement. Because right now the gays, the, the lesbians, the immigrants, the poor people, they're going to wipe black folk out. You're vulnerable. You cannot survive and compete only one half of 1%, and, and you're a sleeping giant. 
and, you, and, and if you don't do it soon, it'll be too late. This new coming election, stand up now and say, we're not going to support anything or anybody who would not support black folk and attack and address the maldistribution that took place in slavery and Jim Crow segregation that left us with nothing. Only one half of 1%. We can't make it. We're going to push back for recognition, for appreciation, and reparations. And again, Dr. Anderson, before we close, would you give out your website where everyone can get your books? And uh, I want to highlight that the latest book is entitled A Black History Reader, 101 Questions You Never Thought to Ask. And in the back of the book, Dr. Claude Anderson, you say something that's very powerful to why blacks need this book. Would you tell them why they need this book specifically? But they need this book because this book is laid out in such a way that it makes it impossible for black folk not to understand where they are, where we are, how how we got where we are, what's been keeping us where we are, and what we got to do to get out from where we are. We're in a danger. We're in a danger zone, and time is running out on us. And tell them to go to that website, powernomics.com, and, and order those that library pack immediately, because right now the same things happening to us right now occurred in 1933 in Germany when they were setting the Jews up to be exterminated. You have no power, you have no resources, you have no leadership. You cannot compete, as you just said. But don't sit there laying on your guns and, and hiding and ducking and dodging, trying to get along with everybody else. You have no friends. Black people in America have no friends. 98% of all the whites in this country did not want slavery to end in 1860. And I just looked at the research again, and now they went from 98% down to 88%. In 150 years, white folks' hatred for black folk went down only 9%. And in, as far as the immigrants come to this country, 63 to 64% of the immigrants in this country do not like black folk. They're not your brother, not coming here to, to, to get along with you. They come here to get over you and replace you in mm. all respects. Mm. Dr. Claude Anderson, thank you so much thank for coming you. on our show tonight for Black History Month. I am going to be highlighting excerpts from this book all month long and even beyond and sending them to your website. Dr. Anderson, no, no, I hope you enjoy is, is, is that a promise by T to push those that books as hard as you can? They need you that up in that area. Very little goes on in the northwest northeast corner and trying to re-educate our blacks up there. You can be a, 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 a milestone for those blacks up there. And, and But they're saying, read this book and you teach them. You're a good teacher and an educator, a conscious and committed black person. Stand up and, and don't bow your head. Be as black as you want to be and tell our people we are special people. We're exceptional people. We were here before everybody else came. They owe us in all respects. And these immigrant, any immigrant came here, whether they came here last week or tw- uh, 200 years ago, they are the guests. Black folk are not guests in the country. You tell them Dr. Anderson loves them and appreciates them, and they're exceptional people, and I'll always be proud of them. They stand up and say, we are here to stay, and we're going to get what's coming to us on the positive side. Thank you so much, Dr. Anderson. I appreciate you so much, and we'd love to have, have you back in June when we are feature Black Music Month. I definitely want to have you back as well, because you alluded to that, how our music has, has been taken away from us uh, financially, and uh, love to have you back on the show then. Thank you so much okay. again, Dr. Claude Anderson. We appreciate you, and keep doing what you're doing. We're going to do it here we're for sure. sure. I'm going to highlight you. this book. Thank, thank you, you so and, much. And I'm going to thank you. Yeah. See if, I'm gonna, well, I bet you we get a whole bunch of orders coming from directly because of your insistence and your direction. Okay? 
I'm going to keep it on all year long. This 2019, it's about the 101 questions that people weren't asking, and we want them to go get this book to get the answers. Dr. Claude Anderson, you got me. Thank you, buddy. Tell them to get get the library pack. You got it. You got it. Okay. Thank you now. Bye-bye, buddy. Have a good one. As we continue, ladies and gentlemen, that's Dr. Claude Anderson. His book is entitled A Black History Reader, 101 Questions You Never Thought to Ask. Dr. Claude Anderson answers them. So now you have a solution beside the problem. And when you got a solution, all I can say to you then, when you have the solution to the problem, I'm going to leave you in the hands of this group right here that I had the chance of uh, working with way back in the day. It's entitled Ain't No Stopping Us Now by McFadden White.
This is the Fly Jack Tom Joiner plus my co-host Jay Anthony Brown. This is Jay Anthony Brown. If you want to hear some good talk and some good music, listen to the Mike T Show on the Love Zone USA dot com. That's what I do. Watch out there now. Come on, DJ, hit me with another track. Yet our best trained, best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refuse to fight. Matter of fact, it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight.
to generate more traffic and sales for your business starting now? Well, here's the marketing tool you've been looking for. What about advertising your business product or service to singles? Well, everybody knows. 
singles have the most money to spend, and the LoveZoneUSA.com has accumulated the largest audience of singles on Internet radio. They've done this through a variety of shows discussing sex and controversial topics in the areas of relationships, dating, and marriage. They've also attracted celebrities to their show who are known by millions of listeners and fans, like The Temptations, divorce attorney Raul Felder, Gloria Allred, and Danny Glover. Your business will be exposed as a sponsor of a variety of shows with universal themes featuring love and music, celebrities, sex, and other controversial topics, offering your business maximum exposure to singles who have the most discretionary income to spend. So contact one of our business consultants today so they can show you how you can generate more traffic and sales to your website by becoming a sponsor of the LoveZoneUSA.com. And to become a sponsor, all you have to do is send an email to sales at the lovezoneusa.com. As we fight the power, I think you've got some uh, tools to fight it with. Yeah, there are problems, but there are solutions as well. And as you've listened to Dr. Claude Anderson tonight, he's given you an array of solutions to fight the power here on the Love Zone USA. Don't forget about my man. He fights the power every Wednesday night with a Rolls Royce. Yeah, you can ride with him. His name is Rolls Royce. Howard, he'll be here from 8 to 9 p.m., where he takes you down memory lane, which we're going to do in just a moment. My name is Mike T., and as I always say right here on The Love Zone, this is the place where you can listen to your heart, and we live, love, and learn. And tonight being Valentine's Day, I'm dedicating this next song and set of songs to the lovers out there in our audience. And yeah, we're going to give you some of it, too, before we let you go. I'm going to continue with some love songs, but I want to also keep you in mind that... Uh, we got a great lineup this month, Black History Month. Next week, we've got a lawyer coming on the show who's a managing partner of, the, of our own firm, uh, lawyer Esquire, Stephanie Dixon. Be sure to be here for that show. It's going to be one that you won't want to miss. It's going to give you a lot of information as well. That's what we're about. We're here to educate, elevate, and entertain. And right now, I'm going to get back to entertaining right now with my man, Will Downing. I'm going to slow it down a little bit for those lovers out there in our audience. What's going on? It's me, your man, Will Downing. I'll be spending the evening with you, my fans, in the love zone, in the love zone, in the love zone. So be sure to tune in on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Can't wait to see you in the love zone, in the love zone, in the love zone, in the love zone. Does your mama know about me? Does she know just what I am? Will she turn her back on me? Or accept me as I am? And what about your dad? Did you think of what he'll say? Will he be understanding? Or does he think the usual way? Maybe I shouldn't worry But I've been through this before And I'd like to get things straight before I'm knocking at your door Does your mama know about me? 
with Mike T. Doesn't get any better. Hi, this is Mesa. When I want to be loved good, I spend my evenings with Mike T on the LoveZoneUSA.com. He knows how to love you right.